Cloud and Clear, the podcast by Sada for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. I'm very happy today to welcome none other than Billy Franz to Cloud and Clear. Welcome, Billy. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me today. For those that you don't know, which is very, you know, hard to believe because everybody knows Billy, but uh, Billy is still relatively new to SADA and he's built the uh, Consolidated Inside Sales and Channel Organization for SADA out of uh, Austin, Texas. And um, it's such an important part of our strategy. I couldn't wait to have him on and he's on today. So, uh, so welcome. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Awesome. A lot of work to be done still. Definitely. Look, uh, you haven't been here that long. How many months has it been now? This is officially eight months. Eight months. So less than a year. I actually remember interviewing with you and I remember you coming into the office and uh, meeting you for the first time. And I think everybody immediately fell in love with your energy and your experience and your background. And I'm really glad it worked out. But, you know, I think there's several steps in everyone's career before they land at SADA or, or whatever their current position is, right, at any company. But do you want to tell us about, you know, your career journey? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started out, uh, graduated college at the worst possible time uh, due to the, the recession, which was fantastic. But I was really, really fortunate to to land in a, a very lively and up-and-coming city with Austin and getting a job at a large um, computer company on the uh, north side of Austin, technically Round Rock. But I uh, started out over there in the consumer you can business. Say, you can uh, say Dell. I can say Dell. Okay, I, I don't know who, who all we need to pay royalties on with this. Show. Dell, Dell's not only a customer, but they're a partner, man. You can definitely say Dell. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so I worked at Dell uh, in the consumer business, which was, um, I really earned my stripes there. It, it was cool. We got boots on the ground, a lot of really good insight, learning how to overcome objectives. Uh, and it was a grind day in and day out, had a lot of success there. And then uh, wanted to get up the stack a little bit more and get into some SMB and enterprise practice and, and learning how to sell that kind of higher end storage equipment, servers, what have you. Um, a lot of success there and then moved into a large opportunity sales rep. Uh, so I kind of had like a, a team of, of reps uh, with me that I was working for kind of as a leader and again, a lot of success. And then in about 2014, um, a company called Savage reached out to me in selling private cloud and public cloud. And they were getting acquired by a traditional uh, LEC, local exchange carrier on the telecommunication side called CenturyLink. Uh, went over there as a technology overlay or hosting overlay as they call it, and spent some time in the channel uh, networking over there in the central region. And it again, had a lot of success. I wanted to carry a bag shortly after that from the hosting perspective and moved into a channel manager role. And I realized that the technology or telecommunication uh, portfolio wasn't a fit for me necessarily. And at the same time, I was having success though, even selling the telecommunication portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to get back into technology and Manny Santiago, our head of, head of recruitment here at SADA kind of reached out to me with a LinkedIn note saying how would you like to look at a role in a leadership role selling cloud google cloud specifically out of austin and I, at first i thought it was kind of a joke um in fact i actually took the the the, uh, the screening call uh from from the parking lot of the gym 
<laughs> with Manny. And after that first conversation with Manny, that those 30 minutes, I thought to myself, holy cow, this is a this is a real opportunity. This is serious. This is a big player. This is 2017. At the time, the announcement was only that Sada was 2017 North American Partner of the Year. And I knew being in the industry, the growth that Google had spending $45 billion over the next three years. Um, so for, for me, and at that point in time, I didn't even know that Sada was going to be named the 2018 Global Partner of the Year. Um, so yeah, it was like a no brainer. And I remember telling my wife uh, as I got through that first screening and then the second screening with Joe um, that this is something that I really, really want and, and can really, I feel like make an impact given my skill set and the space and growth capacity here. No, we're very lucky uh, to have you and then that you took that call. And um, I think something you told me, which is really funny because now we're very, very focused on like local markets, local market culture, all these things all around the country in US and Canada. You were like, I didn't think this LA company was gonna like hire a you know a team from Texas. <laughs> I don't know why, why. Why do you think that about LA companies, man? Come on. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just thought I'd be the sore thumb uh, out of a California-based company being a Texan, standing out a little bit here. But it seems to be the inverse here in Austin. There's more Californians coming here than there are other Texans. So we love you for we love you for who you are, and and we love every every one of our markets, and we understand they're all different. And I think that's a core, actually core part of our strategy. Uh, and obviously one of the reasons we reached out to you in Austin is because it was very important for us to build our inside sales center of excellence and channel center of excellence um, co-located where Google's own headquarters are for it's precisely the same thing, right? That alignment is really important. Absolutely, 100%. I think any time that a Fortune 3 company uh, has a high percentage of sales reps located in one area. It's just a natural fit for, again, the, the 2018 Global Partner of the Year to be right down the road to show that investment and return on investment, not only by divesting a practice, which you guys did right as I came on. So absolute whirlwind and then refocusing and reinvesting back into the company is phenomenal. It's fantastic. You're reminding me of what a crazy nine months has been. It's been absurd. I think sometimes in the business world, just in general, we kind of forget where we were last year. And then at SADA, I mean, we're moving at, I, I, to quote Dana Berg, uh, Iceberg, um, to quote him that saying that, hey, Billy, you joined a rocket ship. It's it's unreal. I mean, in, in the past nine months, I, I can remember sitting in, in our WeWork office here. It was just me and a field sales rep. And then... We divest Microsoft. I'm on board. We throw a, a party. My, I have a baby. The, the, the day before we have a, a kickoff party, we hire three reps. Then you come in town 90 days later and Tony, you say, Billy, I just gave you approval for, for four more reps and an extra channel head. It's like, okay, go, go after it. And then creating a hundred million in, in ARR pipeline. It's, it's absurd. It's unreal. I, I, I forget about it sometimes. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's cool. Yeah. No, it's, you know, I'm a big advocate of um, uh, gratitude. And I think it's important to pause and, and remember where we were three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, to really appreciate amongst all the noise and, and stress and pressure, like how much has been achieved. Um, 
And, uh, and I think, you know, your organization is, is, is one example of that. And it's, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite examples because this is kind of a, a, a very important initiative of mine to, to not only create an organization and centralize how we look at pipeline creation and how we add value to the market and to Google in that capacity, uh, but my intention to build a best-in-class organization in a very specialized uh, role. Do you want to talk about channel a little bit? Because part of the reason you came on board is because you actually understood this concept of channel. And even today, it's not widely understood, which is kind of our uh, one of our secret weapons, I would say. Uh, do you want to describe how we're executing on that with Avant and Intellisys and what that means to our customers and to, to Google? Yeah, sure. So our relationship with Avant and Intellisys, I mean, we're, we're one of the few providers in the channel partner community. For those, of the, for those people that are listening that don't understand the channel partner community, the channel partner community consists of what's called a master agency. Uh, and the two masters that we have today in our portfolio are Intellisys and Avant. And what happens is these master agencies have regional sub agents that can sell typically legacy telecommunication, uh, direct speeds and feeds. And now those agents are expanding into network portfolio like SD-WAN, even UCAS, CCAS, what have you. And one of the things that we're bringing to the table is allowing these sub agents the availability and scalability to sell infrastructure as a service that Microsoft and AWS are not doing today and one step further within that channel partner community there are just a few other providers that we have to compete against but we're the only provider within the channel community that is 100 solely focused on google cloud so yeah. we're a differentiator not only not only are we doing something that's kind of niche but where you're taking it one step further that we're laser focused on one product within a portfolio that these sub agents can sell hundreds of thousands of yeah. products and services uh, yeah. and then we comp we comp these these people on not consumption not only consumption i should say we also compensate them on one-time installs fees what have you um so the impact that we're having there i don't know yet if we can actively quantify the scalability and where this will go because in the next two to three years infrastructure as a service we're, we're seeing the, the latest report from gartner saying uh i think it's like 80% of the Fortune 2500 companies will be out of the data center and into a cloud play or multi-hybrid cloud environment. Um, so by us being in there first, one of the first to markets in the infrastructure as a service stack within the channel partner community, we're enabling these agents a, a whole new tool set. Like putting uh, thousands of additional sellers in the field with all of Google Cloud products and services and our professional services and our managed services in their bag. It's, it's an amazing model, not just for us, but for Google, like through yep. SADA and really only through SADA, does now Google also have thousands of agents with whom their they're small set of customers, which they're very intimate with, buy everything from. They're also starting to ask them about Google Cloud and those thousands of agents, they can say, yes, we can, uh, introduce you to the global partner of the year who does Google Cloud, and that's how those leads come through. And I think uh, what I've been surprised by, because we originally started doing this with Microsoft five, six years ago, um, that was kind of our first experience. What, I, what I've been surprised by and continue to be surprised by is 
the types of customers that these agents have relationships with. And by the way, they don't love being called agents. I think part, trusted advisors, what does Ian call them? Yeah, <laughs> trusted advisors. It's trusted advisors. Trusted advisors. Uh, Ian, sorry. Trusted advisors. And, um, but, but they're in an incredible set of accounts. Like I thought it was going to be all mid-market and SMB. It's actually not the case, is it? We're seeing some massive, massive plays in all verticals, media, entertainment, gaming, retail, e-commerce, oil and gas. Um, I mean, healthcare, you name it. I mean, we're, we're seeing three, four, six, 10, $20 million deals coming through our channel partner community. And I think one thing that not, uh, that, that oftentimes gets overlooked is that by a channel partner being in that community and by SADA being there, they're getting the power and backing of SADA support, technical expertise as it relates to Google Cloud that nobody else can match. Yeah. Uh, and the, the reputation of SADA within the channel partner community is, I mean, it's the gold star, I don't, the gold standard, what have you, white, white glove treatment, put whatever adjective you want on it to call it elite, and it's elite. And I think we're just getting started. Honestly, we're just scratching the surface of what's possible. Um, and look, I think channel is, is, a, is a significant, like shout out to Dave Vinci and Erica Baker. They've done such a tremendous job and they come from that experience of us doing it before the divestiture. So it's been extremely valuable. And I think, um, again, we're just scratching the surface. We're seeing some incredible results. I think at some point, 30% of our GCP source pipeline was coming through channel already, like within a quarter or two of activating them, yeah. um, but we're still like maybe five, ten percent activated if you if you think about it. But in aggregate, I want to talk about why sourcing is important at all. And um, there's I think two or three factors that are that are critical here. Part of, part of the benefit of being around for 19 years is we've seen a lot of seasonality, <laughs> we've seen ebbs and flows, and we realized really back in 2012, 2013 that. Um, we had a slight down year in G Suite, I, I remember this, and it was because there was a lot of changes at Google and uh, the reps that we work with were moving around and, and all of a sudden we had, you know, we realized we had, we had a 100% dependency on the Google field to quote unquote bring us in to deals. And that was what caused us to uh, create a marketing organization and an inside sales organization because being so overly reliant on the Google field to bring us in, and also to not really be able to bring any pipeline back to the Google field, it felt like a very weak position. And so that's why we started both a marketing organization and an inside sales organization. But this year, we've truly gone bigger than ever because the expectations as a premier Google partner is we're actually measured very specifically on not only what we sourced, but how much we close of what we sourced. Um, and, and, and that's why the role that, you know, your organization plays is, is, is actually so critical. Yeah, so I always say that we source for three, three reasons, right? New, new business acquisition, gotta get new blood flowing through, make sure we're, we're not solely dependent on Google. Number two, show the investment back to Google. If we're gonna be the top partner, we gotta, we gotta put our money where our mouth is and invest back to it. And drive drive pipeline and close that pipeline. And then the third is to intercept deals that are in flight that might be going to a competitor, whether mm -hmm. that's another competitor in Google's ecosystem or one of the other cloud providers that exist out there. No, exactly, exactly. And then what's the reaction that you've seen from um, 
from Google, like on the ground, from the Google field, from Google leadership. From Google leadership and on the ground, it, it's been positive uh, around around walking around the, the halls of Austin. They, they seem to be grateful um, and then not only grateful, but want to work with us because I don't know how many partners in the ecosystem today are doing what we're doing at the scale that we're doing it at. And we do that uh, through what I've called kind of the, the three E's and that's like educating. So we educate the, the partners, or not, I'm sorry, we educate the channel partners, we educate Google, the Googlers, the Google team, and we educate the customers, right? So that's one of the E's. So we educate, then we evangelize. We go, we spread the message. Here's what we can do, here's how we do it. And we do it with the Southern voice of Billy Franz, right? You know, still something <laughs> else from Billy Graham. Uh, and then, so educate, evangelize, and then the execution. So not only are we finding this pipeline, but we're driving it to close, and then we execute it hand in hand with our Google counterparts. So, so the so, threes. So now that um, closing, the source pipeline is going to become more important, right? It's going to be important for us. Uh, of course, I think channel source deals have this unique um, attribute of um, they have to close for anybody to get paid. So it's like a great incentive alignment, and they're usually very warm introductions. But overall, I think our, 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 our close rate, you know, we also intend to be best in class. So, so what are you doing strategically to make sure that things that you source are, are tracked all the way to the end and maximize the probability of closing it? In fact, our field and the Google field pay attention to deals that you source just as much as deals they get from other, uh, other avenues. So from that standpoint, what, what we've done here at SADA is obviously the implementation of a new CRM tool uh, that that we've rolled over to, to en enhance and collaborate in terms of tracking, finding the deal, leading it, prospects, prospect to customer, where we're at in the, in the pipeline. And I would even say a, another component of that is working hand in hand with the Google team. Um, regular QBRs and updates, both from a leadership, the PSM side, the inside sales management, the field sales management, and then top down, obviously from you, Joe, Dana, checking in on deals where we're at in the lifeblood, regular cadences with with my boy Ahmed. So I gotta say hey to Ahmed, I know he'd be sad if I didn't give him a shout out on this. Um, but yeah, just, just it comes down to really the, the relationship and then the data. And then once we have the data, mirroring that and making sure that the relationship with both the customer and the Google team, no balls get dropped throughout those sales life cycles. Yeah, and I would encourage you, and you know this, that we need to get even tighter uh, with the sales process, right? And we're, we're implementing some things with our new you know, CRM ERP system uh, to go from like lead to cash, like that whole life cycle. Um, I know there's some customizations we need to, to get there, but I think to be able to trace the entire life cycle in one data platform is gonna be really powerful not only to ensure and increase the uh, probability of closing, but to do the, the data analysis. As you get into hundreds and hundreds of leads, you can't track them one by one. We'll need to run dashboarding and sort of uh, um, a, a little data processing work to make sure that we're not losing track of anything and that we're, um, we're, we're closing the highest probability deals uh, in, in the fastest way possible. I would agree with all that, you know, and I know we're talking a lot about the data and analytics component just because we're two tech nerds talking about this, right? Yeah. And I love data, love the analytics side, right? Um, but I would even take one step further and something that we haven't talked much about yet is the team. So the inside sales reps and the channel team that, that we've got, um, the 12 of them across the board that, that we're only growing, but the amount of time that each one of those reps has invested in terms of 
qualifications and certifications. Every rep that's on the team today is certified when it comes to G Suite, GCP, Maps, and Chrome. Wow. And that, that's through Google sales credentials. And I even have a few reps that are actively being pro, proactive in terms of trying to take an engineering GCP certification wow. through Coursera or a solution architect uh, wow. role through Coursera because they see the value in the upside and the value that they can bring to their customer. So this is a, this is a very real deal, very real growth um, that we're not just investing in our tools and data here. We're actually investing in the people and making sure that they're qualified to be the best across the board. So on that topic, I really wanted to talk to you about this because I actually hold you as an example as we're building other teams here of who I think has been a really good leader. I'm not just saying that, you know, to, uh, to make you blush. Um, oh, thank you. I'm turning red right now, actually. Appreciate it. <laughs> you've, you've been really good at not only hiring the right people very quickly, you've been really good at taking the recruitment, uh, yeah, working with our, you know, people acquisition team, their talent team, but really taking that uh, identification of talent and who to reach out to into your own hands. You've been uh, really diligent with uh, enablement, activation, mentorship, coaching, measuring, um, celebrating. And so like, and, and honestly, it was actually more than I expected. <laughs> um, so um, A, I'm really thankful about that, but B, do you wanna talk about some of your strategies along those lines? Yeah, sure. So uh, thank you very much. I mean, that's uh, blowing up the ego right now. Looking forward to Stay humble. 2019. Stay humble, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell that line confidently. Uh, no, so, so what I've done um, from my standpoint, right, I have the, the philosophy of the strengths finder. Utilize your, five, your top five strengths. So Strengths Quest had a thing out there. Uh, I read the book in would have been 2006 or 2007 when I was a freshman in college. And the Strengths Quest is essentially a very similar test like Meyer Briggs. And you're finding out your top five skill sets. And I and the philosophy around it is don't worry about trying to become well-rounded to, to enhance your weaknesses, to get them on par with your strengths, but rather take your top five strengths and perfect them to, to maximize your capability and ability, capability and execution around those five, and you'll be the best possible version of yourself. Uh, so part of that leadership is what I've tried to apply to myself, and I try to keep that same philosophy for the reps on my team. Rather than trying to force a square peg into a round hole, let's take their skill set, let's take their their growth, let's take their what they're good at and just maximize it and get them to perfect that. And then secondly, the 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 infamous Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? I think that's a book that every sales rep, every person actually, one step further, not even just sales rep, can take a nugget from that book and apply it to their daily lives. Yeah. Um, I think that is hands down one of my favorite books. I read it every year, if not every year, every other year, just as a refresher. And I pick something up from it. So that, that would be the one one little word of wisdom. And I try to apply those to a leadership. Well, people experience is so important to us, you know, from that first recruiter call, your, you know, your call from the gym with Manny. Actually, even before that, the first email, right? The first LinkedIn uh, message or whatever, like we want that to feel great. 
for the candidate to feel great. And we want the experience of either being hired or not being hired, both to be great. We want the whole, you know, multi-year journey to be wonderful at every phase of evolution and promotion and whatever, horizontal moves or whatever it may be. And to, to people's last day, and we understand like they can't be at SADA forever, but uh, we want that to be a wonderful thing um, wherever they end up going. But we really look at your team as a, um, a springboard. The way that you're developing your team, I anticipate that, you know, people that start in your organization within SADA will have a great on-ramp to whatever else they want to do within SADA, whether it's going to the field or this team or that team. And you can anticipate that. Um, and it's, it's great for those incoming that know that they have a career path, right? And I think, I hope that's something that you uh, emphasize with, uh, with with your team today. Absolutely. So that, that's something that I uh, just got out of the team meeting. I talked about that uh, even this morning with one of the reps in our one-on-one. Um, the, the growth plan that's available. So just because this is where you start doesn't mean this is where you're going to finish. Um, this is kind of the groundwork. And, and I've even had people reaching out that may have been in a different career beforehand that want to change and look at technology and want to know the different paths. Um, so just because you're in, in sales today as an inside sales rep, you, like you said, you can move to the field. You can move to a solution architect, a solution engineer, operations. Uh, you can look at marketing on a marine team. You could look at a pod with under under Jacob or Edmund right or I mean the, the the growth here seems to be infinite I I feel like every time I turn around I see Manny or you or Joe or somebody posting about a different opening and I obviously we want to try and keep as much talent as possible within SADA because we're investing a lot of time energy and resources and not only that the the educational aspect that I try and work with each one of the reps uh day in and day out in our one-on-ones asking about what what their feedback is, what they're seeing from their perspective and where they want to go. And I think that's a bigger thing as a leader is figuring out and trying to have the empathy aspect, not just gratitude, but gratitude with empathy of where that individual's at. And one thing I try and do for my reps is I try and put myself in their shoes and where they want to go, asking for their feedback. And then how can I, as a leader, serve them properly to get to where they want to go? Because I view it as, to, to kind of quote Gary V you work for them, they don't work for you. Uh, I, I, uh, I subscribe by that as well. So one thing that was interesting is I was in this women, women in technology event, there was a uh, side track uh, with sort of with, with Google and we had, um, you know, one of their, one of their uh, recruitment leads talk to us about how Google hires and I thought it was fascinating that there was like four aspects of the interview process and only one of the four is actually about role knowledge. The other three are elements that really evaluate a person's fit within Google. So, and I think that's eye-opening and interesting because you're not just hiring a person for this role they have today. You're trying to hire someone who's a great fit within SADA, first and foremost, and then the role, because you think that they are going to evolve. And these people that come in to our ecosystem and to the company are extremely valuable beyond what they're doing today. And you want to create an environment that encourages that trajectory. Sure. Abs I would agree 100% on that. And that's something that every time I sit down in an interview, I sit and I, I think to myself, is this somebody that 
has growth potential? Is it somebody that I can help grow within SADA or grow externally? Not, not, not to say that I want my reps to leave SADA, right? But I want to make them and, and help them be the best possible versions that they can be both inside and outside of work. And then I didn't say one step further is when I sit down to hire, is this somebody that I would want to work for, right? Is this somebody that I would want to be my boss? And I hope, and I ask questions that can shine light on that and their personality, their perspective and where they want to go. One other thing you've done, you and I talked about it a little bit and, and your response, the way you responded, I wasn't sure what you were actually going to do because ultimately it's in your hands, but you've actually hired and are growing one of the most diverse teams at SADA. It's amazing because I, I truly believe that diversity is strength. Diversity is a competitive advantage and you've done a really good job there. So was that something that was purposeful? Did you just take what I said? But was it just the way it ended up? Like, can you, can you talk about that? Because you are kind of the model. Your team is how I want every team to look. I, I do put an emphasis on diversity to answer your question. Yes. Uh, I, I think in, in where we're going in the direction that from a global perspective, right, there's no more, there's no more uh, homogeneous communities. I, I think diversity is, it, I mean, I don't even want to say it's the future because it's the present right now. Um, and it's, it's important to, to talk to other people outside of the norm to get a different perspective and a different viewpoint. And that was something that I tried to make a priority on my team when scouting and sourcing talent to, to be on in the recruitment side too, right? It's let's word, let's word job applications in a sense that any individual could relate to the role that they're applying for rather than using words or verbiage that may be to a specific creed, color, race, gender, ethnicity, what have you. Um, so I try to try to loosen those barriers. And from the standpoint, as far as like actually hiring, um, I didn't necessarily hire. I did not hire based upon any of those. I looked at the paper and said, Hey, these are the, these people met the qualification. And I sit down and I ask the same questions across the board. I didn't lower lower standards for for anybody else. They were all held to the same exact standard, and these were just the best people that were available and that applied. So I, I, I guess in that regard, I got really really lucky, um, or maybe Manny just helped me out in, in in recruitment properly. No, I think I think that is the standard. I think what you want to do is make sure your pipeline is inclusive, pipeline of talent. You're not, uh, and words matter, right? How how are your requisitions? Uh, written. How do you? What language do you do you use when you speak to the candidate for the first time? Do they feel like they can fit in to whatever you know culture slash type of organization that they're coming into? And then of course you choose the best talent based on that, right? And I think um, there's a lot of science now, and I learned a lot actually at the Women in Technology, um, uh, Women in Channel uh, conference, in that you know women tend to not apply to certain roles that they don't think they're qualified for, even though they check 12 of the 14 boxes, whereas men will apply to a job even if they check two of the 12 boxes, right? Like, so so all those things matter, and we want to be, be sensitive to that, to, ha to have the widest, most diverse pool, and then hire the best talent, and then once they're there, to be very inclusive in how we, um, how we, uh, orchestrate and lead and, and, and sort of manage that, that team and those individuals moving forward. Develop it too, right? So that way then these people that we're not just hiring for diversity at the ground level, we develop that diversity and it all the way bubbles up to our leadership across the board. And I think that's, that's going to be 
a huge necessity. I mean, we're seeing it right now with with Fortune 500 companies. I think it was a couple couple months ago that for the first time ever, GE had two women on their on their seaboard. And I mean, that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. I, I look forward to the day when we can say that across multiple Fortune 1000 companies, right? That we have people of color. We have people that are different in terms of skill set, background, creed, race, religion, what have you. Um, diversity is just going to make it make it better, make make it more adaptable too for our customers because they're going to see people. Hey, I want to buy from this person maybe because they're like me, or maybe they're not like me, but they all give me a different perspective. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's strength. I think hopefully the interactions with your very diverse team has been part of the element that's actually created a very high performance team in general. I think diversity does bring the best out of people uh, for for all sorts of reasons. And, you know, I was on this panel sort of as a, you know, men as champions of women, champions of diversity. But I, uh, I also put you in that category. Billy Franz, you're, you're a champion of women and champion of diversity. So thank you for being so um, such a part of our brand. And uh, and look, I can just try to hire the right people, Joe and I, and empower them. And and the rest is really up to them. And I just want to continue to commend you on, on a job well done and um, just, uh, you know, stay humble, stay hungry on that front. So, love the David Goggins reference right there. Yeah, always. You know, I'm very, very thankful for the autonomy that Joe Joe gives me day in and day out. And then likewise, for, from your standpoint as a leader, too. Um, I'm very grateful, very thankful to be here. Very excited to see what the future is going to hold and what direction we're going to take this. It's awesome. One last thing I want to ask you, what are your predictions for 2020? 2020, I want to be number one again, back-to-back um, -back Global Partner of the Year. Uh, I, my predictions as well, the team growth. Talking with Dana, I don't want to shed too much uh, about some announcements in terms of headcount, but I'm very, very eager and excited. I want to be the number one partner uh, of the year again. I want to be the number one source pipeline, and then I want to be the number one closed partner pipeline as well. Those are great ambitions. If we hit that, I think everything else will fall into place because if there's no pipeline, there's no sales bookings, there's no sales booking, there's no revenue, and there's no revenue, there's no growth. So uh, a lot of a lot of our um, trajectory rests on how well we do here. And uh, I want to thank you again for all the work that you do, and thank you for being my guest on uh, guest on Cloud and Clear. Love it. Thank you, Tony, very much. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.